0: Hi, hello and welcome to episode 5 of the Travel Now podcast. If you're looking for inspiration for your next adventure, money-saving ways to book, or ideas to get the most out of your time away, then hello, welcome. You are in the right place because this is the podcast for you. Thank you for stopping by. My name is Luke Richardson. I'm an author of thriller novels. And as you know by now, I hope, a total and utter travel addict. In this podcast, I'm going to bring you stories from my travels, interviews from people who've been to places that I want to go in the future... You know, because that's what we're all doing here is sort of sharing great places that we've been and the things we did whilst we're there. And at some point in the future, I'm really looking forward to this part doing some live episodes from the road. So you'll get to come on an adventure with me. Today, I'm talking with Simon Mooney, who writes the blog 100 Lifetimes. We talk about Simon's first ever travel adventure to the region that's been the first ever travel adventure to so many people. And For some reason or another, this seems to be the place that people go on that first ever travel adventure. Strangely enough, it wasn't mine, actually. (laughs) My first one i have spoken of before was to India. But um, he went to Southeast Asia, and I know a lot of people do. We talk about why it's a great place to get your first travel experience. We talk about how to get off the beaten track and see the local life. And what you should plan to do uh, to get the most out of your time there. And we also go back because I've done part of that journey myself. Simon did it in more detail than I did, and he did bits that I didn't, and I did bits that he didn't. So this conversation brought back so many lovely memories for me of wandering through those ancient streets in Hanoi or sailing up the Mekong River or going to Ho Chi Minh City or whatever it was. And it's also made me think that I need to go back there because there was so much I missed of that part of the world. In fact, you can tell when you listen to this how excited I sound. Normally, I sound quite calm, don't I? Quite relaxed. <laughs> in this interview, I don't. I'm, I'm, I'm really buzzing about talking about this place that I enjoyed visiting quite so much. So sit back and have a listen in to Simon Mooney and myself talking about a place that we both loved visiting and that I certainly would love to visit again. That's Southeast Asia. This podcast is sponsored by Bookitlist. If you're looking to book that trip to Southeast Asia or anywhere else for that matter, check out their fantastic website at bookitlist.com. Make sure you add some of the things that we talk about to your online bookitlist list because then when you're ready, you can book with discounts. Yeah, so thanks for joining me and uh, tell me to start with where and where did this holiday take place, where did this trip take place, and uh, when was it? Where did you go? What was the route you took? Those sorts of things.
1: Yeah. So this was in 2019, in April. And I was like, I was between jobs. So I had like two months off. And I was like, what can I do? So I went to, I decided to to take on like the classic, the classic backpacker circuit. And I I was like 24 when I went on this trip. So I felt like, I don't know, I I felt like I'd missed out a bit. Like I should have done this when I was 18. But anyway, I went out there. Um and yeah, I went the route we I flew into Bangkok, as Hmm. most people do, and then um, I went anti-clockwise around. I think they call it like the banana pancake trail. Yes. So yeah.
0: Chiang Mai, and then through to Laos.
1: Oh, so I went the other way around. So I went. Um, I went into Cambodia first. Right. Yeah. Um, got you. And then to Ho Chi Minh, and obviously in, like South Vietnam, and then wound my way all the way up the coast of Vietnam, uh, crossed into Laos, then back through the back into Chiang Mai, like say back into northern Thailand, back mm. to Bangkok, then sat eventually south um, through the islands, and then flew back from KL.
0: Malaysia. Oh right. So you've done that extra leg as well. I was thinking the Bangkok to Bangkok circuit is is the is quite often. Is exactly well that's it?
1: long enough, but
0: it was like I booked a flight, I booked a flight home.
1: I thought it would be more interesting to book a flight home not from Bangkok. So I just yes. booked the flight home from KL. So I had the two points planned. Like I knew I was flying into Bangkok and flying out of KL, but in between, yeah. I just...
0: mm, the part of that I've done, um, and I, I do intend to finish it. I flew to um I flew to, where was it? Ho Chi Minh and spent about three or four days there and then flew to Hanoi to join the trip. And then we travelled from Hanoi through to Bangkok. So I did the second half of the trip, but tagged Ho Chi Minh in because I was a little bit early for a couple of days. So there's loads, there's loads more still to do. What highlights do you think? You're going to say all the bits I haven't been to, I'm sure. What highlights would you say um, you, you, you found on that journey? What bits must you go to? I mean, oh, angle gosh, of what? I suppose it's got to be.
1: So many. I mean, um, definitely. I mean, I I, re- I wrote an article recently about the, like the high Van Pass in Vietnam. So this is like a mountain pass between um, Hoi An and Hue, like a couple of historic cities. But it's just a, it's absolutely amazing mountain pass. Like I knew about it because it was like featured on Top Gear years and years ago. That's a, that's a definite must do. I think um, a lot of people like say how long You have to go to Halong Bay from mm. from the north on a day trip to Halong Bay now to be honest I th- I did that and I think like Halong Bay is quite is very is it's an absolutely beautiful place but it's quite crowded so I think like there are other there are other places along that coast that you can have basically the same experience but a bit more a bit quieter so like for mm. example Mai, I think I'd recommend people um well I mean Chiang Mai you I feel like you have to go to, I feel like everybody goes to the elephant sanctuary in Chiang Mai mm-hmm. or one of the elephant sanctuaries but they are amazing and it is like you get really hands-on with the elephants like you feed you're feeding the bananas and you like going in a mud bath with elephants like, yes I remember know, doing uh, that yeah <laughs> you, are, you, could, you could experience that really um actually in Cambodia this is I don't know this is a bit of a darker one but in um Phnom Penh the capital in Cambodia they have a, lo- a lot of it is all around obviously the um kind of like atrocities that were committed there under the under the Pol Pot regime mm. um and I feel like that is somewhere that everyone everybody should go and just i i mean i remember i remember like doing history in school and none of this was ever covered
0: no and it you isn't go is there it? And, yeah and you find out because it's not that North distant North history is it it's talking sort of yeah, exactly. 1970s you know 50 exactly years and we're talking
1: about like living memory for this country and like i can't remember i heard some facts like 50 percent of the country's like aged under 25 or something mm. and this is like literally so many people were were just massacred at that time so it's like and it's very raw and it's very recent recent history for those people um they have a sobering one um, yeah and yeah also i think like i think you've got to you've got to have if you go to thailand you've got to you've got to go to the islands at some point and um you know and enjoy that that uh, party life
0: and, yes i think and, you're and right because in a, in a separate trip i went to um ko Panyang and ko tao Koh Samui and all of those islands on the on the they are the far coast um and and I think actually I enjoyed that visit to Thailand more than going to Chiang Mai and going to North Thailand because it is the beaches and the beautiful things so I think that that's got to be some good advice I think if you're making that trip to extend it somehow and somehow get some beaches and islands in there too.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think like I mean, this is a bit of a cliche, but I know they say like Thailand's a kind of country of two halves and the north is much more the north is more rural and uh, I guess a bit quieter and I was, I was actually in a an a I stayed in a monastery there for a few days. That looked great. I've read your blog post
0: on that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, to go from to go from a monastery straight into like uh Phangan, like party island was quite a, <laughs> quite a transition actually. Yeah. So you got you got you got you got the you got peace and quiet
0: and you got the parties. How much of this did you plan in advance or was it turn up and see how you go?
1: Well, so I this was like I said, this was my first real like backpacking trip. So I did actually book onto a group tour for the mm. first 10 days of it, because I, I was back then I was quite intimidated by the idea of just like jumping, hopping on a plane and traveling about like a part of the world that I'd never been to before. So that was I guess that gave me like a little bit of comfort and a bit of a safety net that I had like that first, mm. um, you know, 10 days with the group. And then after that, like, I struck out on my own. Like, I did, I had, like, a, I had a loose plan of what, of what I was going to do day day by day. And obviously, I, like, I knew eventually I had to make it to Kuala Lumpur. So that was always at the back of my mind. Like, I need to keep going. <laughs> but, so I, I think, I like, none of it was booked. None of it was booked. But it was loosely planned sort of destination by destination where I was going to go. Um, and then when I got to the, each individual place, I would then, only when I was there, would I, like, research, like, exactly what what kind of activities and stuff I was going to do
0: mm. I think that's a, a benefit of that part of the world actually is that you can sort of just turn up and, and make it up as you go along that English is widely spoken credit card machines or ATMs are everywhere you know although the currencies change quite a lot you can you can easily f- sort of find your way through
1: yeah it's ridiculously easy to to travel that part of the world it's such an, estab- it's such an established backpacker circuit um like a a, lot of people like you're you're not traveling with these people but you'll like bump into them in like one hostel and then like a week later it's like oh you again like a lot a lot of that I guess that's that's a it's a way to like ease yourself into it if you've never traveled in that style before it's definitely quite an accessible an accessible part of the world to try
0: it in so you talked earlier about sort of slowing down. Now you had two months to do that, to do that trip, which still is quite a long it's a long time for a holiday, isn't it? It's it's not so long if you're really sort of exploring. Where would you want to spend more time on that circuit? Do you think what what cities or destinations do you pick out and think, oh, I could spend a week there or spend 10 days there or whatever?
1: Well, if I was to go back to the region, I think I think I'd go back to Vietnam. And explore Vietnam more. Part of the reason is I like, because I love the food culture in Vietnam, so that, uh, that's one reason. But I would do, I would love to do the because so like I said, I did this motorbike or this this trip on a scooter over the high band Pass, and that was that's just a day a kind of day trip. But I would love to go back there and actually like, I whether, whether like buy a scooter for a month or hire a scooter for a week or something, and just do like a part of that coastline um just on the on the bike and travel and travel along it. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I think. Like particularly visiting visiting Hoi An, it was quite like I I felt like that was a bit rushed. It's a very mm. um it's it's a much I think it's partly because it's a much sl- slower pace of life there compared to like the big cities like your Ho Chi Minh and your Hanoi. It's, those are those are very like um very full on fast cities, whereas that was just. It, there was a slower pace of life and I would
0: have liked it yeah yeah I felt the same about Luanne Prabang I'm sure that's not pronounced correctly but it was just such a wonderful it, I, I went on one of these group tours as, as you mentioned and um and I'll tell you what those tours are great if you've got a week or two weeks to see something they're great because the 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 pace is quick but you do literally see everything don't you they say get up at this time see this do this do this and if you if you if you just want to go and take photos and and get a sort of snapshot of the country brilliant but you're right like I remember leaving thinking such a beautiful little place beautiful houses beautiful buildings and and all of that and the culture was so nice and sleepy sort of vibe you know I could definitely have spent (laughs) a week or so just getting lost there.
1: Yeah, I mean, definitely. It's, that's definitely the virtue of a group tour is that they they know the, the point-to-point itinerary <clears throat> and you don't have to plan, because you don't have to plan anything. Mm. You can move faster because like, all the accommodations booked, all of the attractions yeah. are, like, organised for you. So you can move, because it's not like you have to get to a hostel and then be like, okay, where am I going to eat? Where am I going to get for dinner tonight? Or where am I? I need to, like, think about the next place or how am I going to book this bus? It's organised for you. So you, yeah. can, you can move, definitely move faster in that travelling style. Um, the only thing I find is, like, you're obviously constrained to their itinerary and if you want to spend
0: long if you're like I love this place I want to stay for another day it's like no buses here got that's it that's exactly it but there is a I mean a, a, I remember doing it the other way where I went and just turned up when I went to the the islands in um, in the south of Thailand and I had my flight back from Bangkok in about two days time and I planned to fly from Koh Samui to back up to Bangkok to, to get the flight back to the UK and I remember going to the to the travel agent and they they just the flight was just booked up. So I had to get another laborious train up through through Thailand, another boat and all this. And I actually remember thinking, I wish I had booked this bit in advance and not just flown by the seat of my pants here, because that would have made it so much easier, you know? <laughs> yeah, sure. So you talked, you brushed over there your um your your motorcycle trip up into the the high pass in 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 vietnam but it sounds like i read your blog post on this on your 100 lifetimes blog which we will put a a link to on the in the podcast notes that was quite a quite a tense and scary day though by what it sounded like on that on that blog post
1: yeah well i mean the the context behind this is that I, i basically like i i was still like with the tour group at this point and they didn't want us to do that trip that wasn't part of the tour. They were, the rest of the group were just on a train, but we just rented bikes and we're just like, we're going to, like the three of us were like, we're just going to rent bikes and we're just going to do this because we've heard about it and we we really want to experience it. So we did it that first day with the guide and it was absolutely, it was absolutely fine. It's not, it's not, it's not dangerous. It's very, I'd never ridden a scooter before in my life and it is very accessible. But then we we were basically, we then got to play and we were absolutely raving about it to the rest of the group and everyone else was like, felt like they'd missed out. So the next <laughs> day we got, like we, like then, Having I mean, three of us had done it the day before, and about 10 of us got like, and we all went back to do it again. And then I just, yeah, just got a bit cocky. And um I was I was stuck behind this lorry trying to go the the part, the main bit of the part, and I just couldn't ride in the way that I wanted to ride because this lorry was driving in front of me at like 10 miles an hour. <laughs> so I was like. I'm, I'm not enjoying it as much as I did yesterday. I just need to get past this lorry, so I try. I attempted to overtake him, and then, unfortunately, yeah, there was another, there was a, there was a, there was another lorry that I hadn't seen um, coming down the other side of the road, and I was uh, then about facing death. So, yeah, I was, I was, I was very lucky, and I was, I was very foolish as well. But I, um, yeah, I, I just tried to stop, and then crashed the bike. Luckily, the lorry was able to stop in front of me, so I didn't get hit by the lorry or anything yeah just crap. a few, few cuts and bruises uh yeah. bike uh, bike was a little bit dented but yeah oh, all in all, um, I was glad I was glad that I got off as lightly as I did really
0: yeah honestly it sounds it sounds terrifying it is one of those cautionary tales though isn't it I, I remember having gone on bikes in various Asian countries and you just think afterwards you think was that really a good idea you know
1: <laughs> yeah I mean even I I like um when I when I now tend to use like grab that you know the app grab it's basically their equivalent of uber but on there you'll get instead of just taxis you'll get like tuk tuk you can just like rent a tuk tuk and you just hop hop on and hop on the back of a guy's tuk or back of a guy's bike and you just go um and he'll take you to your hostel or whatever yeah, some of the oh. driving that those guys do is pretty is pretty sketchy. And I was like, sorry, close your eyes. That's <laughs> it. And then when you get to the destination.
0: That's it. I remember this. Yeah, in, in Hanoi, you know, darting through the streets there and some guy would just stop and you'd get on the back of his bike and he'd take you where you want to go. I remember there was two of us on one at one point after a boozy night in a couple of the bars going back to our hotel. And I don't think this guy was like an official taxi driver or anything. Like just some dude who was driving around who we gave a few dongs too or whatever it was. Yeah. yeah.
1: It's it's not just a tourist thing though. I mean like that is that is definitely part of their way of life. Like sometimes you see whole families yes. just on it on the bike and you're like, <laughs> like there's there's it, that's that's the, that was part of the trip for me was like seeing that um I suppose just different different way of life and different uh attitude to health and safety really. Like yeah just like a five-year-old kid just like and he's just hanging on to his mum on the back of it
0: absolutely absolutely and i think vietnam the food there is wonderful i think you mentioned this earlier um did you do any of the cooking classes or, or learn to make any food yourself i
1: did i did i did i, I did do one cooking class in um way um and it was it was really i wouldn't say i i remember any of the we we did it was like a whole day a whole afternoon a whole day thing we made like we made spring rolls from scratch yeah and made, yeah we made fur like the the beef, the broth, the broth and we and sticky some sticky rice for dessert. Oh yes, yeah. Like, they're not they're not like hugely strong on desserts there, but yeah, that wasn't that was a new one on me like sticky rice for, for dessert. But yeah, it was... <laughs> and um, yeah, I mean another thing I, we didn't do this in the cooking class, but like I used to I I really missed in in the rest of Asia like having proper bread. Like most of the bread, yeah. bread just wasn't it was like just flat. like mush yeah but in but in um vietnam because i think they have like the french colonial influence you they do like banh mi which is like uh, this kind of fusion between french baguette and like vietnamese kind of cuisine so it'll be like um it's like a baguette and then it's filled with some kind of meat but then also like chilies and um pickled carrots and cucumber and it's yeah i i've i, I really like that and i always used to take those mm. on like, the night butters
0: i think i had some of the best food during travel I think this was in um, Ho Chi Minh some little backstreet restaurant I remember and ordered something and you just get into the habit of pointing don't you at at whatever someone else has got and going yeah okay I love that and it was this bowl of sort of spicy soup you have like the separate bowl of chilies that you put in and there's some green things like green leaves on the table that they sprinkle on just beautiful beautiful stuff that you have to just sort of go and explore don't you
1: Yeah, I mean it's definitely part of their culture of just like eat street food and cook, cooking on the street, eating on the street. They always sit on these little plastic, mm. these tiny plastic chairs that you're sort of hunched in, yeah. but, but you're having the most fantastic meal. So you don't mind
0: Eat away from the motorbikes surging past. You know, <laughs> all tasting like exhaust fumes and whatever, whatever it might be. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, what was your favourite city that you went to? Because you you know that if you if you finished in Kuala Lumpur, you must have done five or six big cities as well
1: yeah yeah i did do a few cities um i like i liked hanoi because i think i've been in a lot of cities where they were quite westernized Mm. um that i felt it was interesting it was a hybrid but the rest of the cities felt like a hybrid between the west and asia whereas hanoi felt still especially because um in the north of vietnam it's much like the french colonial influence remains much more relative to the south it's, this is a legacy of the vietnam war but the mm. south is very much like it's very Amer- it's americanized yes yes and then yeah. that the H- hanoi to me it felt more french colonial i mean there were or, or just just more historic i mean there were, there were still like these little lanes that you could sort of wander through um people yeah people's like cooking their dinner in the back of the street um it just felt much more yeah mm. it's, it's overused work but authentic it felt a bit more. Felt like I was experiencing the, the kind of local local way of life a lot
0: more I absolutely agree with you I think Hanoi was probably one of my favorite cities like um of that size I mean other than we went to a few tiny little towns which were around gosh I wonder if you went to one right? the, the, the name of which we, we flew to Vintien and then we went to a town the day after that which was up on up in the mountains it took about 10 hours Bang bus Bion. journey Is it maybe yes and we went there, and we walked into a bar, and it was it was the town seemed quite sleepy, and we walked into this bar, and and it was absolutely rammed with people, and we got talking to a couple of these people, and they were they were all no no Europeans, all Asians, and and um, we were talking to them, and apparently a, a lot of them, this person we were speaking to says, are to, were tourists from South Korea. It just so happens that that's one of their tourist hangouts, high up in the the Lao the mountains of Laos. I <laughs> It's crazy, yeah. It's great.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously that that is like Southeast Asia is, a, I guess, apart for a, apart for the for obviously like nor, the more northerly Asian countries to come on holiday. Like I remember being on Koh Tao, and there was kind of this there was this one resort, and that was the resort where all the Chinese hmm. um, families would families would visit, and it was interesting because like within like you know in the UK we always have, we have this thing of like every kid is taught to swim in school to some kind of level, so everybody like can at least swim but they're apparently they don't really have that in china as much to to the same extent so you'd see like chinese like adults but going into the sea in like water wings uh, (laughs) because they they don't really know how to swim
0: really sort of tentatively (laughs) no it's interesting and i've always enjoyed that actually about travel is that you do realize that we're everyone's traveling to an extent you know it's uh, you sort of think oh it's just us europeans or us you know westerners or whatever but you you see it in a totally sort of different complexion how did you deal with some of the long old journeys though because there's some laborious roads isn't there over those mountain passes and things
1: there there definitely are I mean the the standard of transport is not quite (laughs) the same as like going around Europe but I mean to me that was part of the experience in itself but yeah Mm. I did go on some overnight buses which were Quite horrendous. And I went, I you don't need to go to this, because it's quite cheap anyway. You don't need to go on like the super, super um like budget end of the spectrum. You can just pay like a little bit extra and have a bit more, a bit of a nicer experience. But yeah, I did go on some of the super budget ones, which would you would be on a bus with locals. And yeah, I mean, one thing is obviously like a South East Southeast Asian people just tend to be slightly smaller in stature and build. So like these buses the bed is not really designed to who's <laughs> like a western I'm not particularly tall but I would be like hunched up in this tiny um tiny berth trying to get a bit of sleep and I remember one as well it broke down in the middle of the night and we all had to get off the bus and some guy was trying to fix the engine but I guess to me I guess you have to adapt your expectations you have to accept the fact yeah. that it's not going to be a, we- a western standard of travel and I guess just treat that as part of the experience um, yeah it's,
0: it's man that you'll you'll get there you'll, yeah. you'll get there yeah. yeah yeah I mean you mentioned earlier sort of feeling a bit old at the age of grand old age of 24 during that trip do you and I know it is classically sort of the first trip isn't it There's a, it's a real gap year sort of trip that one do you think um that's just because of the places you, you were sort of going whilst you were there. If you went back again now, having you know having held down a proper job for a few years and having maybe a bit more money to spend on the trip or whatever, do you think you'd do things differently? Would you take do things a bit more luxuriously or would you stay in the hostels that you did before? Is there anything you'd... I'd definitely
1: still stay in hostels because to me that's just such a, a part of the whole experience and that's how you meet people, whether it's fellow travellers... Or, or even because you don't really meet local people in hostels but you'll mm. go to local bars and then you'll meet local people so yeah i, I wouldn't change that respect of it i mean i think it's just about being slightly mindful of where you go like obviously if you go to the full moon party on kopangangan yes you're going to see like a load of 18 year olds who are like having the time of their lives and trying to down buckets of cocktails but if you go if you go to like if you if you choose to go to the more historic places like koyan or in the north up in the north of chiang Mai, up in the north of thailand you know you 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 can pick and choose and i don't yeah i don't think it's a barrier like i wouldn't i wouldn't just i wouldn't say don't go here it's just all it's just it's just all party party yeah yeah that's that's part of it but there's other there's other things
0: and you take the things you want out of it don't you you know like sometimes but also i remember going to these places that i thought well you know they, they are quite vibrant but they've still got the bars that are just really nice really great quality cocktails and beers and food you know and you could quite easily while away the evening there, not getting off your head just having a really nice relaxing sort of time doing something you know doing something that you you know you know that that isn't necessarily sort of what a 19 year old or 20 year old might want to do you know
1: (laughs) yeah i mean exactly like the whole the, the entire price spectrum is like shifted so like the the things that we would consider to be cheap like the cheap bars the equivalent of a cheap uk bar in vietnam is like ridiculously cheap like yeah like a a dollar for like a beer or whatever but then it's like then it's equally like the luxury end of the market is also relatively reasonably priced so you can go there and stay in like a luxury hotel for the same price that you would stay in a regular hotel for in the uk
0: that's exactly it yeah so talk to me about the final bit of your trip you because this is a bit that i've not done you you've got the train down from bangkok i assume um to to Kuala Lumpur. Do you I'm trying to I'm trying to sort of get that that straight in my mind. Do you go via Singapore for that or is that further south? No, so Singapore is right at the te- is right at the
1: tip of this of that of this that Peninsula, peninsula. Yeah. so Kuala Lumpur is like it's it's pretty close. I think it's less than like 100 miles. Definitely less than 100 right. miles. Right. So you'd have to have gone a bit further on to get to Singapore. Yeah. It's just a little bit further to Singapore and the re- I was tempted because I, I really want to go to Singapore but it was just it was a price th- it was a price and a time thing yeah and like Singapore is obviously renowned for being one of the most expensive cities so <laughs> yeah. I was like well maybe I don't need to add that on as well um,
0: you've got to stop somewhere sort of thing <laughs> yeah
1: but yeah I went from I went on a I actually went on a bus down through once I'd once I'd gone through the south part of Thailand I went I went on a bus and I went um I visited Penang so it's like uh-huh. a, as an island and again great food culture on Penang and then I went up into the Cameron Highlands which nice. are I think about like 1600 metres or 2000 metres above sea level so it's actually you get it's a much more temperate climate uh, which was a bit of a relief after being in the in the kind of tropics mm. and then and then finally
0: on to KL and, and, and... I imagine you would notice quite a difference in the sort of in in terms of the culture from Certainly the backpacker trails of Thailand, where it's what we've just discussed, boozing and music and the sort of the the sort of Islamic nature and the more sort of serene nature of Malaysia. Is that is that true or is that just an assumption I've made incorrectly?
1: I think. I think up to a point yes I don't think like the sheer hedonism that you're going to find in the south of Thailand that's not present in Malaysia but I did mm. I don't, certainly didn't find Malaysia to be like a conservative country yes you can det- you can you can feel the islamic influence and I remember just I remember it being slightly jarring when I went across the border yes. into Malaysia, and, and suddenly I was seeing all these advertising billboards for like luxury, I don't know, uh, perfume or skincare products. But the the woman who was in the on the billboard had like a hijab on. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of it's kind of like yeah. yes, it is. It's, yes, it's Islamic, but it's not it's not it's not conservative at all And That's
0: yeah, the wonder that's of travelling over land, though, isn't it? That you see that you 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 see that happen immediately. You know, you cross a border and it becomes. It becomes a stark difference. Whereas via a plane, you may—if you'd have flown from uh, Bangkok to uh to Kuala Lumpur—you may not have noticed that sort of difference, you know.
1: Yeah, I mean that's what I love about overland tra- overland travel is the fact that you see you you see the places in between and you see mm. the ch- you see the change and it's not just you know it's not just like you go into this airport lounge as a kind of teleportation chamber and yes. arrive somewhere. It's like no way these all these places are are physically connected and there is like a borderland between
0: them all i know i know that's fantastic simon it's been really really great to talk to you about this today and and as always when i have these sort of conversations they just make me realize how much i still want to see and how much i've missed from that trip myself have you got any any trips planned in the in the coming months when, when we're able to or when or ones you'd like to make specifically when when we're able to
1: well, in theory, I'm supposed to be going to Nepal in mid-April wow. uh, to climb a, a peak called Island Peak, which is um, it's actually one of the ones that they, the Edmund Hillary um, 1953 Everest, Everest expedition used as one of their training peaks. Um, so it, it's going to be incredible, but I am slightly <laughs> uncertain whether it's going to go ahead. Um, but if that doesn't happen in April they're doing it again in October so one way or the other I will be going to Nepal. Oh,
0: well too. we'll have to definitely have a conversation about that when you get back from that trip because that sounds incredible. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Right tell us about uh, where to find you online your blog your Instagram those sorts of things.
1: Yeah, so I mean everything's under the under the handle 100 lifetimes and um, 100lifetimes.com is my main blog uh and yeah that's that's where i I post all my all my travel content and stories but also you can find you can find me on instagram as again like at 100 lifetimes but uh definitely i'd say the blog is my main source of travel wisdom
0: oh i loved having that conversation so much one of the things right at the end of that interview that really stuck with me is Simon talked about travelling over land. And when you, you travel over land, you understand like the connectedness of different countries and different places. And I think that's something I need to explore a little bit more, both as a traveller do a bit more overland travel and in this podcast, you know, I I do need to do a couple of episodes about overland travel. If you have any experience of that, if that's something you've done or something that you know about, something you'd like to talk about, or actually if you've just been on a great, you've got some great travel experiences that you would really like to discuss with me, I would be so, so, so interested in having that conversation. I want on this podcast all sorts of people Okay, could be people who have blogs like Simon or or Jason, I had a couple of weeks ago, or, or people that are involved in the travel industry, but also people that aren't. And people that just have a passion for traveling in their in their time away from work. I want to talk to all sorts of different people who get all sorts of different things from their trips. So if that's you, do get in touch with me. It's hello at lukerichardsonauthor.com, hello at lukerichardsonauthor.com, or on Instagram at Luke Richer, Luke R-I-C-H-A-A. For inspiration about my writing and travels, you can take a look at my website. That's Luke Richardson Author.com and for all sorts of other stuff related to this podcast we've got a blog on there we've got information about future upcoming episodes and that sort of thing it's the travelnowpodcast.com thank you so much for joining me it's been fantastic to share this conversation with you don't forget the bucket list sponsor very kindly sponsor this podcast you can make your bucket list come to life and turn it into a bucket list at bookitlist.co. and then when you're actually ready to book the thing you can get some great discounts there too thanks so much and i'll see you for another episode of the travel now podcast very soon safe travels